Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisler Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Star Wars kicking ass at the Emmy Awards. That's right. Star Wars kicking universal ass right now. Finally getting some recognition for the holiday special, I think is what you're saying. (laughs) That's right. Screw the Academy Awards. We haven't won anything in I don't know how long. But the Emmys, we're cleaning up. And we're going to share all about it with you, our listeners, because you have found the Wretched Hive podcast for Friday, July 23rd, 2021, episode 206 of the show. My name is Steve Baldwin, and joining me tonight, two-thirds of the hive. What, two-thirds? Wait, no, that's it. Two-thirds of the other hosts are with me. I'm the other third. I don't know. I'm Math is hard. Good Lord. Three-fifths. Three-fifths. 60%. A virtual hive, if you will. Not a hive, maybe just a hive. <laughs> a hive. There you go. <laughs> Joining me tonight on the show, he is the Wookiee co-pilot, the bearded, balded one. He is Gregory Lent. Steve and B. Jordan, it is so good to be here. It has been a while since we've had a show proper. Uh, it is. And I am while. I am stoked. We've got the three of us here tonight. I am glad to yeah. be a part of it. It is a is a wonderful threesome to share with my with my mm. bros. Mm. Drop your cocks and grab your socks. We're going to have a show tonight, guys. <laughs> it's been a while since uh, we've done. It feels like it's been a long time since we've got a show proper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've been stuck in 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 the MCU doing Loki and Captain and and Captain America and Winter Soldier and right. And I'm I'm glad there's finally some good Star Wars talk. So let's talk about Black Widow. You know, oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> Absolutely, we're going to get to Black Spoiler Widow. But you know alert. What? Spoiler alert for the episode. But, we're going to talk about Black Widow. But rightfully so, because Loki was kick-ass. And if you haven't listened to our, uh, our reviews of Loki, go back and listen to those, because those are a lot of fun. But also on the show tonight, wow, are you ready? You're ready? I'm okay. Ready. There's no Scott, there's no Nico, so... How do do I do this? And And thank you, finally! Hello, fart face! (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Dave! I think it's about time you stop calling me fart face. Under no circumstances. Oh, thank you, fart face. (laughs) Should you ever... Well, if it's all the same, I'd like to continue calling him fart face. And I mean... You know, his face does not smell of farts, but rather a face. <laughs> Ever! Odor-wise, I'd agree, but I'm talking about appearance. See, I believe that if a fart did have a face, it would look exactly like fart face. <laughs> Call him. I love calling you fart face. It makes me feel good, and I'm not going to stop. Fart face. Fart face, fart face, fart face. <laughs> Potter. Fart face! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Dave. I hate you all so much. <laughs> uh, How in the world man. can I find so many clips of that somebody saying fart face? I that that is <laughs> who knew. 
it is so impressive to be perfectly and honest. And that's not even all of them. There's only one face in this room, and I'm looking at him, and boy, does his face smell like fart. I have more. Of course you do. You have some queued up for later in the show. You're Greg Lent, right. for God's sake. But yes, <laughs> oh, we are man. three by five tonight. That's it's right. a show proper. We have been doing uh, our episode recaps, which I think are very well received by everybody. We're on Google app platforms now, not just Apple platforms. So we're, we're coming at you three by five across both options that you have to download and listen to things. So this is just uh, it's 2021, baby. It is time to kick it up a notch. I'm glad you're here with us tonight. And uh, that's it for the show. We'll be back next week. I think we nailed that. That was like some serious uh, syncope there. Yeah, I am really, I'm really glad that Dave has finally come into 2021 now that it's July 23rd, guys. Look, but look, <laughs> I've had a really long, bad year. So if anybody's entitled at this point, I think it's me. And uh, if you've had a really long, bad year, give us a call on the Wretched Hive hotline and tell us all about it at 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. That's H-I-V-E. In case you can't spell hive. And you can also find us <laughs> online at fartface.com. That's facebook.com forward slash wretched hive podcast you can also find us on twitter at wretch hive pod and uh, you can find us on instagram at wretched hive 77 you can also stream all of our shows from the very beginnings of our show when we were just itsy bitsy little baby podcasters in diapers way back in 20 wait what was it 2016 i think when we started the show uh at wretched hive podcast did we net. start this show right after The Force Awakens, or did we have a lead up to The Force Awakens? I think it was right after The Force Awakens. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think it was because uh, because we all went to go see The Force Awakens together. Yes. And I think that was, and then a couple weeks after that, we had had another meetup, and that was the real genesis of, of yes. the show. And I, I think that sounds right. The Force Awakens remains a favorite memory of mine in one specific moment when uh, it was revealed that Kylo Ren was Han Solo's son. And I just remember hearing from like six seats down in the row, Greg Lent going, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's still a great movie. It is. It's still it's still fun. I mean, it's a remake of episode four, but, you know, whatever. But who cares? They did it great. It's yeah, a, all of, all of the criticisms or, or or whatever you want to call it about it is just rehashing the same beats of episode four are accurate, but I have to agree. JJ um, Abrams knows how to launch a series, cannot land them for fucking shit. But knows how to <laughs> launch them. So true. So true. Him, him and Warren Ellis in comic books. <laughs> Deep cut. Deep all cut. Right. We Two people listening got that. Hey guys, we're going to change things up today and we're actually going to talk about some Star Wars. So let's get into it. Uh, Yeah, we've got we've got some news. And Steve, this is where you insert the news clip. (laughs) Oh, I can probably play that. So just as a public disclosure for everybody right here, now that I'm clear of editing. (laughs) We're having some soundboard difficulties tonight. So if the show sounds a little choppy when you're listening to it. You have no idea how much work Steve put in to actually get it to, to be the level that it is. So don't don't judge. 
just appreciate appreciate the genius that is Steve Baldwin. I blame I blame one person for this. Bob Iger. <laughs> there. Play oh, that there. news clip uh, there, Greg. Lead us into here we go. ABC News World Headquarters. This is ABC World News tonight. <laughs> No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the wretched hive. So be it. Guys, there's this uh, award show called the Emmy Awards. Uh, You may have heard of it. And uh, Disney shows that we often talk about on the show. Actually, we've been accused by a regular listener of being a Disney podcast. We talked about this on the show a few episodes ago. It's kind of true. We talk about a lot of Disney stuff, but the Disney stuff is cool. Damn well, for it. that guy, our review of Space Jam tonight coming up. <laughs> That's for you, Jeff, from Syncope Syncopated Brewing, um, formerly Timeless Pines, the best beer in Long Beach. Um, all right, best Disney is Long Beach, or is yeah. Syncopated now the best beer in Long Beach, or is is because uh, Timeless Pints. Uh, it used to be because it's no longer there. So you can't still call it the best. No, but I'll tell you what, no matter what's there, Stacy behind the bar is the best beer keep barkeep in Long Beach in, in really in California. Let's face it. Stacy over at syncopated brews. She rocks the bomb. She's the bomb. That's right. All right. So, uh, Walt Disney Company um, is having a pretty good year, I think it's safe to say, in terms of their television content. Uh, I think it's fair to say that they're pretty much kicking ass in terms of content, putting out content that is appreciated by both fans and critics alike, guys. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit. This is from the uh, official Walt Disney Company press release. Uh, regarding the shows that Walt, Kis- Walt Disney Company produced that have been uh, honored by the 2021 Emmy Awards. And uh, the Walt Disney Company proudly announces, you can find this, by the way, at the WaltDisneyCompany.com from their homepage. The Walt Disney Company proudly announces an impressive, get this, 166 nominations across 85 categories and 38 titles for the 73rd Primetime Emmy Awards. Wow. I don't know if that's some kind of record, but it seems like it should be. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Now, this is, this is, what, this is the part that gets me, that really excites me as a Star Wars fan. For the second year in a row, Disney Plus leads the way with Lucasfilm LTDs, limiteds, <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have had that second beer. I don't know. Uh, the, 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 the Mandalorian, a Star Wars property, garnering 24 nominations, including outstanding drama series. Uh, additionally, Disney Plus's limited Marvel Studio series, WandaVision. God, I love WandaVision. Received 23 honors. You, you love Wanda, not so much Vision. Uh, okay yeah I'll, i can live with that i love them both but yeah wanda i wouldn't mind taking wanda to get some coffee sometime. hello censored um if i had a <laughs> chance with paul bettany um i don't know i uh, yeah you might maybe. go for it yeah yeah, yeah sure sure what, what uh, you take him out of bed for eating crackers right greg 
There you go. 23 Emmy nominations for WandaVision, including nomination for Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series, plus nominations for Lead Actress Elizabeth Olsen and Lead Actor Paul Bettany uh, in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie. Similarly, Disney Plus's Hamilton became a fan favorite. Uh, Moving on down here. uh, 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 Sorry, Hamilton uh, received 12 nominations. And then moving on to another Marvel property, of course, Falcon and the Winter Soldier that we broke down every episode. You can go back and listen to those uh, in our feed. Uh, scored five nominations, uh, including Don Cheadle's nod for Outstanding Guest Actor in a Drama Series. 98 seconds of screen time, ladies and gentlemen. 98 seconds. Did a cat literally just fall from the sky? Right the screen? <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's Don I don't Cheadle. think it was on screen. Don Cheadle is on on screen, not a cat. Don Cheadle <laughs> is on screen. He gets an award. The man I'm is not amazing. A, I'm not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> not a cat, your honor. But but l- listen, you guys, The Mandalorian, twenty four nominations. That is incredible. And as Star Wars fans, we should be super excited about that. We should be. And I I do have to say that it being Star Wars aside, it was kind of, and maybe it's because of COVID. I don't know. But it, it, it was one of those kind of shows this year where it drew in people who are not normal Star Wars fans. Um, Around my office, you know, obviously uh, I don't work in in a huge, huge office, but people of varying pop culture tastes and fancy and whatnot. Um, uh, uh, A couple of Star Wars fans, me and uh, a couple of core guys, you talk a lot about Star Wars and appreciate and everything like that. But people who are not Star Wars fans coming into my office to talk about the show the day that the Monday after it had aired over the weekend and they had watched it, you know, and how impressed they were and how much fun they thought it was. It, it it turned into kind of a pop culture moment, you know, and and that's the kind of see, thing you see with Game of Thrones. It's the kind of thing you see with uh, Breaking Bad, where people are coming to work and chatting with their with their friends about what happened on the show this past week. And T- totally agree. And b- before you move away from that too far, I just I have to ask you, Greg, are you the guy like if someone comes in with a Star Wars question, does everyone go like point at you like, oh, yeah, Greg? Does they know you as a Star Wars guy? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I've been accused that I scared off an interviewee for asking them a Star Wars trivia question that was too, too, <laughs> it was too difficult. Yeah, That's so, great. so the full story on that, because I, 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 I heard that from a little more reliable source than Greg Lent, was that the interviewee was bragging about their Star Wars knowledge, and Greg Lent asked a, a question that the person could not answer. And in some fairness, Ooh. I don't think I answered it correctly when it was posed to me. All right, give it, it was, to me. It was, well, it, was not okay. a, it was not a beginner level question is what I'm saying. It, it okay. was, well, and, and here's the thing is there was a question thrown at me, which I answered correctly. And so I threw a question back and they did yeah. not get it. And, so and maybe, the question maybe didn't play right. as nice as the first question was, is all I'm saying. Okay, well, 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 let's hear. So what was the first question? And then how did you, what was the, uh, what was the, the volley back? What, what is the name of the ship that Princess Leia is on at the beginning of A New Hope. That was the question asked of Greg. Yes. Okay. All right. That's easy. That's the uh, Titanic. 
just kidding. 100% correct. Okay, so we have the ta- <laughs> we have the Tanji four. Okay, I, I I would have accepted Rebel Blockade Runner or the Blockade place. Runner. Sure. Yeah, I would Fair. have accepted either answer. Fair. The question I asked back: How many engines are on it? Ooh, good. I would say <laughs> I'm going to count from memory, and I'm going to say there are eleven. Ding 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 ding! Give the man a prize. Yeah. He wins. And that and this guy couldn't answer that what that no, question. No. Young lady, yeah. it was by the way. Oh, yeah, young lady oh, by the I'm this sorry. time, by the way. I'm sorry. Yeah, she did. She did not answer uh, correctly. I think she guessed uh, eight, as I think, which and is the com- the common guess is eight because everybody remembers the row sure. of four, the row of four. Sure. But there's a row of three in between the row. And was this and was this young lady hired? Um, she declined our offer of employment. <laughs> well, you know. It, uh, it doesn't sound like you lost out on much if she doesn't. If she doesn't know the there's eleven, if she doesn't know there's eleven engines. She doesn't deserve to work for our fucking firm. That's all I gotta That's say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what happens if you're in court and somebody turns to her and says, like, how many engines are in the tattoo four? And she's like, uh, I don't know, eight. <laughs> Morons. 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 <laughs> I'm surrounded by assholes. Um, all right. So, uh, Dave. Are, so, <laughs> are so, you the wait, really quick? Really quick. Sorry, Dave. Are you the asshole? St- no, I'm the fart face, as we clearly no. established from the intro. <laughs> are you the Star Wars guy in your like when people talk about Star Wars? Yes. Oh, Dave. Okay. So, yes. eternally. Yeah, yeah. I think we all have assumed that role. Then that's 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 fantastic, and, and you've earned you've earned it, you two, for sure. Many young Padawans. So yes, yes. I just want to put the Mandalorian's accomplishment in a little perspective. I was doing a little research real quick on the internet, actual research people, not okay. made up research, but 24 nominations in a single year. So just to put that in perspective, the record holder is Game of Thrones Ooh. for season eight, received 32 nominations for that piece of shit season. That's to say, out. for the crappiest season of all. How many did they win that year? I hope it's zero. I, I, I don't know. I didn't get that, that into <laughs> <laughs> you get that into the research on it. But just for comparison, 32 is the record. That's the most nominations received for a single season ever. Yeah. And that topped the previous record holder, which was NYPD Blue from 1994, which received wow. 26 nominations. So the Mandalorian getting 24 is actually very, very, very impressive. Like a top five finish performer for you know a, a single year. That for is a TV show. Wow. Good and then right behind there. it, fucking WandaVision with 23 right behind it. Yeah. Which I'm not so. going to lie. That shocked the hell Ooh. out of me. I mean, I'm happy because I thought that was fantastic television, but yeah. shocked the hell out of me that it got that much recognition from the Emmy voters. More surprising, Don Cheadle also nominated for WandaVision. That was, explain that one to me. No, that was that was Falcon and the Winter Soldier. No, it was also WandaVision. This, that's pro- the joke. That's I'm, the joke, Dave. That's the joke. Okay. <laughs> I'm just making sure. Okay. I'm pretty sure WandaVision got an Emmy for when Wanda walks down the stairs in her original Wanda costume. I think there's I an Emmy just I, for that. No, I, I think don't that, think that was an I, Emmy no, that I, was awarded, Steve. No, I think she did. I think. No? Oh, okay. Whatever. All right. Um, so the Mandalorian let's let's just walk this through since we are a Star Wars podcast I've got the list of all 24 nominations that we have we're going to run through this really quick just to give a nod to each see if we agree with each of these all right really quick production design for um chapter 13 the Jedi 
Yes. That's the one with, that's, with uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. That yeah. is so good. That yeah. episode is so strong. The, the, the aesthetic of the Western showdown of that with the oh. sci-fi, with the, the sci-fi mythology backdrop of yes. Star Wars. Like that was an X-Files episode. That was a mythology episode in that lingo. I really found that I I found a lot of it, you know, going back to the Kurosawa influence that George is so often talking about. That's that's what I thought of that one a lot. Absolutely, that was all Filoni and and uh, Lucas. There's the one scene where the wind is blowing and Ahsoka's at the end of whatever bridge they're they're about to come and clash on. And yeah. oh my God, so good, so good. The, the the Western one for me was the first one with uh, Timothy Oliphant. That's the yeah. one that was the Western in my eyes. Oliphant yeah. is coming up. Oliphant is coming up. All right, outstanding. Yeah, yeah, but but the Jedi was the best episode of Kung Fu I've seen in at least a decade. <laughs> Granted, Out, outstanding <laughs> stunt performance for Chapter Sixteen: The Rescue. Stunt. Oh, okay, I, I don't Luke? remember. I, I don't know. Outstanding stunt coordination overall. <laughs> Outstanding okay. visual effects in a season. So all of the visual effects. Outstanding sound editing for uh, Chapter 13, The Jedi. So a lot of these are focused on one single episode. So that's kind of interesting. Outstanding music composition for a series, which is phenomenal. I hope he was. What's that guy's that. name? He's got some Dutch name, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be able to pull it right now. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, outstanding prosthetic makeup for the Jedi. Your mother was pulling it last night. <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> we need a clip for that. Outstanding uh, character hairstyling for the rescue. Outstanding single camera picture editing. Outstanding single camera picture editing for the believer. Let's see. Let me get to some of these. I, I might have to skip over some of these because they're very, very specific for uh, specific episodes. Let me see here. Um, Outstanding writing in a drama series for the rescue for the Jedi. Outstanding direction of a drama series for John Favreau. Outstanding guest actor, Timothy Oliphant, whom Lisa would like to take to coffee. I think Oliphant's yay. I, I, uh, I don't think it's just coffee. Yeah, I know. Outstanding director in a drama series. Oh, sorry, guest actor in a drama series, Carl Weathers scores the acting nod. Uh, outstanding supporting actor for Giancarlo Esposito. Well, that guy should just win all the stuff. Gus Fring. He should. Yeah, Gus Fring. Forever Gus, forever Gus yeah. Fring. And then, of course, outstanding drama series. So The Mandalorian really did well and so, so excited for everybody involved with the show. And uh, it's exciting for us. Glad this nominated for series overall, you know, and, and you're right. They do a lot of episode specific things. So maybe there are some directors competing against each other yeah. um, for specific episodes. That's uh, always a possibility when you have these kind of things come up, but glad to see that Floney is getting some, some love after all of the hard work he's put in over, you know, going all the way back to Clone Wars. I mean, Clone Wars was his baby from day one, if I understand that right. Yeah. yeah. So glad oh, to yeah. see he's getting some recognition for the hard work that he's put in over many, 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 many years now. And uh, it's well-deserved. He's a good guy. He's a good I, guy. I, the only thing that I would say is I wish Katie Sackhoff would have gotten a nod because I thought her performance as Bo-Katan was outstanding. Just honestly, that moment in the Jedi when uh, the Mandalorian comes on the bridge with Grogu and the Darksaber and his Beskar spear, just her facial expression when she sees him with the Darksaber. Like, yeah, she earned 
all of her paycheck for everything she did that season with that one look. It was fantastic. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Let's look at WandaVision really quick. Uh, another show that we broke down um, every episode. You can go back and, and uh, watch the episodes and then listen to our analysis. Um, WandaVision nominated for 23 nominations, Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series, Outstanding Lead Actor for Paul Bettany, Lead Actress for Elizabeth Olsen. Um, if Katherine Hahn does not win for supporting actress. I may not ever watch the Emmys again. She's so fucking good on this show. <laughs> she was She's delicious a, in that role. She sure was. She was amazing. Yeah. Um, so many others that are very ep- episode specific, um, including, uh, well, there's some that are more broad for the entire series. Production design. Um, take a look. Production out. design, it, that, it could be a legit contender there just because they moved through these various eras of sitcom. It's not like there's an aesthetic for the show, like right. with Mandalorian. There's a, a kind of a set aesthetic for the show and you have to stay within that bandwidth pretty much. WandaVision was building different aesthetics for the first probably you know, two-fifths of the show to fit to specific eras. And I thought that was incredibly impressive that they did it so successfully. You know, it was really fun. Remember when we were watching WandaVision and the first few episodes trying to figure it out? Like, it was really a mystery that unraveled over several weeks for us. And that that was really exciting to watch. And, and just to watch that show find its feet over um, uh, six or eight episodes was really great. Also, got to give a nod to um, The Handmaid's Tale. I don't know if you guys plugged into that, but Lisa and I watched The Handmaid's Tale. Really good stuff on Hulu. Uh, another Disney-owned um, property up for drama, lead actress with Elizabeth Moss, who I will forever think of as Zoe on The West Wing. Um, uh, but uh, oh, I thought you were going to go for what Mad Men. She was on Mad Men too. She was. You're right. Yep. Yeah. She was on Mad Men. Um, I always just I look at her and I think Zoe. Um, I haven't checked into that show yet. Everybody says it's really good, but you know, it's, it's, I, I've watched the first, maybe the first half of the first season and it's so dark. It's oh, the so West, dark. What, what's it? Handmaid's uh, Tale? The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah. it is very dark. Yeah. I thought yeah. that's, that's right up your alley. Come yeah. On. No, mm. got to keep yeah. it lighter. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> also, uh, just since we're on Disney, just to, just to give some love to the other shows, Posse with 10 nominations blackish this is us dancing with the stars uh and then falcon and winter soldier falcon and winter soldier with five nominations uh don Cheadle with best guest actor outstanding guest actor um outstanding even even don Cheadle was like really i got nominated for that i know so funny seriously how long was he on screen i'm not joking 98 seconds not exactly. It is 528,600 minutes. You know what I'm saying? It 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 is a a guest the theater buffs appearance. A guest appearance is what it was listed as. Yeah. So, visual best visual effects in a season or a movie that could legit win because there were some great great visual effects in and Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, really great stuff. So, um, good things happening over at Disney and super excited for the Mandalorian and everyone involved. Congratulations. We're rooting for you. Hope you win some of those 24 nominations. Well done. 24 is not nominated this year, Steve. No. Oh, damn it. 24. No. That, that show's been off the air for a while. Keeper's Keeper. going to be locked out again. 
So yes. the, the woman yeah. who played, uh, was her name uh, Chloe Bennett, the, the really surly, gruff IT. She, she's yeah. actually a, a stand-up comedian, like outside of that show. Like that character is a complete departure from how she's like in real life. Yeah. And she always talked about how she wanted to for one of her stand-up shows. She just wanted to be like out there doing jokes and then suddenly have Keith Sutherland just come on stage as Jack Bauer in character and just start screaming, get down, everybody get the fuck down right now and just watch what happens. <laughs> is she funny? Is she any good? I, I've never actually seen her do stand-up, but because it, uh, it, I only know her from that character on 24 and I'm like, I just don't think I can handle that gear shift. It's such a, it would be such a differential. I don't know if I can adjust to it. If she's like actually personable and funny and yeah. like out, outgoing, it, it would yeah. be weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, guys, I want to hit on a little bit of uh, just a little bit. I just want to touch just a little tag. Hang on. This is the post me Too time. I don't think you can hit on or touch. No, I'm not going to touch either of you. I want to talk about the bad batch. Because I'm telling you, listen, I'm going to put this down right now. If you are not watching The Bad Batch, you're missing critical Star Wars canon. It, it, that is shifting what we saw in the movies, guys. But you need the, to watch the show. First is of all, Anna, the, is Anakin Skywalker no longer Darth Vader? <laughs> oh, that's holding is still. Pad, is Padme still alive? Seriously, the Bad Batch is the worst name for a sperm donor bank you could ever have. For all right, all right, all right. Fine. Oh, man, Whatever. where am I? Where am I? Hang on. I'm, I'm late on it. I'm sorry. That's okay. There you go. I'm just, I'm just saying. It's, a, it's literally just magazines and no refrigerator. That, that's, well, that's what that place is like. What's become of the, what's, what's, the show has evolved uh, in, in, in one. We're on the 12th episode of the Bad Batch. Oh, my God, 12 episodes. Yeah, I think there's probably... Like another, I think there's a there's, 20 there's episode four. It's season. A six, it's a 16 episode season. Oh, 16? Okay. For reasons I still don't understand, but it's Wait a 16 a how, episode season. How do you know this? I read things, Steve. All right, fine. You know, uh, we're all clan, and I get it. It's live action versus animation, you know, and and yeah. different budgets and what. But you know, we're all clam clamoring for like more of the Disney shows, which have been between six and eight. You know, the the we were lucky we got to ten with no, we don't get to eight with Mandalorian. We ever only yeah. got eight out of Mandalorian, eight. right? Yep. So eight is the most of anything. And we're like, why don't they do ten? Why don't they and like Bad Batch? They're like, oh, we're like sixteen. We're just. <laughs> okay, hang on. Steve, nice visual, by the way. Steve, I will, I will double fisted. I will withhold my snarkiness, but I will ask to do a rebuttal after your pitch, if that's all right. Sure. Is that that's is fine. that fair? Of, of course. I will dial it back to let you do your thing. I don't want to crush your enthusiasm. No, 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 no. It's fine. You, 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 you're, you're not going to be able to crush my enthusiasm for the show because this show, first of all, we're praising Filoni up and down for the Mandalorian. This is straight out of Filoni. The storytelling is coming from the same story group. It's coming out of Filoni's brain. And it's, yes, it's an animated show. So you have to get past some of the animation. And there's a little bit of a cutesy factor at times. I will completely acknowledge that. Uh, but it's, it's not, if you're, if you're not watching it because you think, air quotes, it's a kid's show. I, I think that at this point, it's a cop-out and you're missing out on some key Star Wars canon that is sort of like, it shifts the way you see 
the canon that we saw from the films and the other Star Wars properties. So let me give you just a small example from the latest episode, which is called Rescue on Ryloth. Okay, episode 12, Rescue on Ryloth. Uh, there's a clone that uh, naturally works for the Empire. His name is Hauser. He's one of the lead clones. And Hauser, it turns out, has a, a, a conscience. And he comes to an understanding that, uh, on his own volition, that killing civilians on Ryloth, as he has been ordered to do by his Imperial commanders, is not right. And he, he throws down, he makes the decision to throw down his weapons and rally some of his troops. He's like, who's with me? And about a third of his battalion throws down their weapons and on their own volition go into, uh, you know, become prisoners of, of the empire. It, it's, a, it, it's a stunning moment that we would never see, that we never get to see anything like that in the films. We just see these robotic uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, lemmings that have been, that have fallen prey to Order 66. Um, and we don't see this other side of the clones that are actually, you know, ha have have a, a mind of their own. And it's, 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 it's touching, it's human, and there's some great storytelling. Um, and, and if you're not watching the show, I think it, you're missing on some depth that, is not evident in the films and the live action series to date. Um, and so I, I, I want to encourage folks just to give it a shot. Give the Bad Batch a shot. Um, there's some new canon taking place that you're missing out on if you're not watching the Bad Batch right now. So I have so nothing I will... to do but, but sit on an airplane tomorrow for five hours. So, <laughs> so it might happen. Is that what you're saying, Greg? So let's see how far into it I get. There. All right. So my my rebuttal to the Bad Batch is, uh, hey, boys and girls, remember how we gave you a show called The Clone Wars that was marginally interesting and we kept you hooked in because we featured all these characters, you know, and love from the movies like Anakin and Obi-Wan and Yoda and the rest. Well, the Bad Batch is the same level of quality, except it has none of the characters that you love from the movies. So line up and check it out. What do you say? That is so unfair for someone who has not watched it. I've watched and, it. All right. Well, all, all 16 episodes or 12 well, or whatever is out there right I, now. I think I made it to 10. And then I thought, let me pause here and let it accrue a little more. And maybe it'll it'll feel different if I watch it in a batch since the title is The Bad Batch. All right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I feel like with Disney and Scott would probably actually despise this. I, I know he does despise this, but there's so much Star Wars to take in with all these different, you know, there's the books, there's the comics, there's the, and I want to get to the comics in the, in the next segment, but there's, there's so much to take in. And right now the bad batch is the way that Star Wars storytelling is happening. And that's the way that the story group is pushing out new content. And so if Star Wars content is something that you want to keep up with, 20 minutes a week on a Friday is, is, is not a huge commitment to keep up with things. And it's, to me, it's been a, a nice little, little, um, little way to keep, keep my, keep my claws into star Wars a little bit. And, and what I will say is in the pilot episode, kind of seeing 
the aftermath of Order 66 and continuing through. That was fascinating. I loved that part of the pilot. Yeah. And there was an episode, it was either, I think, episode nine or ten, where there was a, a world that was being taken over by the Empire, and the leader of the world kind of refused to go along with it. And right. so just kind of getting to see the Empire rising, if you will. That aspect of it, of the show, is fascinating, and I wish they would honestly do more of it and have more of that on the forefront, yeah. as opposed to kind of focusing on the characters and Omega and is Crosshair a bad guy and this and that, and it's... I, I hate to say it, but that part's not doing a lot for me. But that that world-building, world building, seeing the things, you know, shortly after the events of Revenge of the Sith, I can't get enough of that. Please give me more. Yeah, no, the, the, I, I get you. And that's, that is, that is fair. You have to, you, you do have to wade through some of the other plot elements. If you want to stick to the sort of familiar elements of, of the, uh, shall we say like, um, I don't know, like original trilogy or even prequel trilogy um, stuff that sort of connects and, and weaves into that fabric of, of the narrative, you, you need to weed through some of the newer stuff. And, and that's a totally fair criticism. Uh, but if you can do it, I think it's worth the, worth the payoff in the end of the day. You know, it's funny that Scott is so weird about, you know, information that's put into the movies because he likes all of this content. He likes, you know, and he knows this, like this content that comes from the comic books. And he even remembers that there is content that came from the video game and everything, you know, and, and this is all, this is not like recent stuff. You know, this is not uh, like the Fortnite reveals. You know, there's the shadows of the empire thing. That was an N64 game back, you know, 20 years ago that he remembers all this, all this stuff about. And, and while I'm not, partaking in the bad batch like it's all part of the world building we all want to see this world grow you know we all we all appreciate you know the star wars universe and and that's why we like the mandalorian because it expands that world just a little bit at a time um and and i i I almost think they went a little overboard on all of the guest characters this year there was a lot that they crammed into the guest characters this year on uh mandalorian as opposed to season one there was a couple in season one but this year you got ahsoka you got bo katan you got boba fett you got um uh who am i missing that's in there Uh, oh luke Luke skywalker yeah yeah luke came in but i mean i mean that's fucking guest stars galore and I, i i hope that it doesn't come to the point where you need that to build this story along. And I, and I agree with that. It's just the bad batch is tough for me because it's, it, it was a backdoor pilot at the end of the clone wars. And it just feels like, ah, Filoni did great with the clone wars. Yeah, go for it. We'll give you a season eight. We'll call it something different though. Cause it's not the clone wars anymore. Like I, I wish they had kind of made it a cleaner break and gone with something else. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I, I get it. I could be wrong, but that's how I feel about it. I will concede that I could be wrong. And, and I too will concede uh, that you could be right. And, and that it, and it certainly, I, I would understand how you uh, arrived at that conclusion because they had the bad batch at the end. The fans seemed to like it. There was a connection with a certain demographic of fans and maybe they just grew from there. It's very possible. 
but I'm saying that they took that and they're, they're, they're utilizing this platform and this show to bring the canon into, uh, into a different, um, into a different lens and, and just, just sort of highlighting different things that are really cool. And, um, and I think it's worth it. I think it's worth 22 minutes of your, of your week it, it uh, is. each week right now. It, it, it probably is. Especially if you, especially if you are a, a, a big a content consumer, yeah. I will say I'm actually more excited about seeing star Wars visions at this point than I am about finishing up bad batch though. Oh, and that's a month away, two months away. It's getting there. I think it launches after What If, if I remember correctly. But okay, I so what if, what if August and, and Vision September-ish? I think so, yes. And we're still on track for Book of Boba in December? December, yep. Yeah. And I hear rumors that Mandalorian is going to be this year, too. And I'm like, that's a lot, because they've already said Ooh, they're doing Hawkeye and one other Marvel show before the end of the year as well. Yeah, I, I, would, be, I would be surprised it um pleasantly surprised but surprised nonetheless if we saw mandalorian this year yeah We've, we have those dates do we not i mean they've announced those dates no, no the, the confirmation that hawkeye would for sure come out before the end of the year like just happened in the last week or so and they didn't give specific oh. dates for it i mean they okay. only just announced the what if date i think within the last 10 days okay star wars vision september 22nd that's a lock all right that has right. that has been announced excellent uh, yeah, so that's 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 going to be fantastic. I cannot wait for that. My my uh, geeky uh, anime kids have confirmed that the houses, the anime houses that are designing the episodes for that show, are legit Japanese anime, like you know, houses, and they know what they're doing. And they're my kids are excited about it. They're not huge Star Wars fans. Uh, they're they're Star Wars fans, but not like they don't nerd out like I do. So they're, they're geeked about it because they just want to see the anime. So it's pretty fun. Nice. Yep. All right, guys, I have a star Wars choices for you. It's a little game. We like to call star Wars choices. Think of a hard choice you'll face in the near future. It's true. Okay. Would you rather be intimate with a Wookiee? Choose wisely. Or be intimate with Ula? But Jabba gets to watch. I just assumed he's a woman. Why do I have to choose? Star Wars Choices! With the Wretched Hive Podcast. Now, why isn't being intimate with a Wookiee and Jawa gets to watch? Why isn't that one of the choices in the A intro? Jawa gets to watch or Jabba gets to watch? <laughs> what did I say, Jawa? That second beer, man. It's wrong. Bad, bad, bad. All right. We that may... was a bad batch right there. That was a, definitely a bad batch. <laughs> Kinky. We may have discussed this in the past already. So forgive right. me if this is a repeat. However, there was a story on the extremely reliable websites, greenrant.com. That prompted me to bring this up again. And Chris Evans, this might be for you. This is right up your alley. But I'm throwing this out to Dave and Greg because I can't remember what you said before. It was probably years ago. <laughs> and I'm going to change my answer anyway. That's right. Probably <laughs> change your answer. Anyway. All right. Who wins in a battle to the death? Death. So I also want, I want your answer, but I also want the why. 
and then we're going to talk about this article on Screen Rant. Who wins in a battle to the death? Darth Vader or Iron Man? Darth Vader or Iron Man? I'm going to give you... I feel like is, we have done this before. I think we have, but I'm going to put a twist on it. I'm going to, this is where you cue the Jeopardy music. I'm going to give All you right. a few seconds I'm to think. I'm going to challenge Chris Evans to find the episode where we've talked about this before. Ooh, he probably has it saved on his phone because okay. he you know, loves our show so much. And he agrees with everything we say. I don't have that one. That's okay. I'll answer it later. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Darth Vader or Iron Man? Ooh, who do I pick on first? See, this is always this is always something I have to. So, but what's the twist? Yeah, before we twist? answer this, what's the twist? Well, I'm going to tell you the twist after. You've got to give me your answers first. Sorry. Uh, I'm going Darth, to. T- Dar- no. Darth Vader all day, every day. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I'm going to decide who's going to go first. Hold on. Okay, I got Greg. 20-sided die. I got two pieces of paper, one with Dave's name, one with Greg's name. I'm going to shake them up. I'm going to see who goes first. All right. I'm going to pick this one. And frustrated game show host. Dave, you go first. (laughs) All right. I, I, I concur with Greg Glenn, who prematurely answered the question, but Darth Vader... All day, every day, because he can force lock Iron Man in place and then okay. slice that tin can open with a red lightsaber. Like the, the best Darth Vader thing ever, I think, was actually in a comic book, uh, one of the recent Marvel comic books, Vader Down, where Vader's TIE fighter crashes on a planet and a whole rebel battalion goes out. And the panel is just Vader's lightsaber igniting in a sandstorm. And the caption reads, I am surrounded by fear. And dead men. Such a great line. <laughs> All so right. not only that, he's gonna pull us, he's gonna he's gonna pull a move from his grandson because he has also seen the Force Awakens. And every time the fucking Iron Man tries to throw a repulsor blast at him, he's just gonna catch that shit right in midair and say, See what I can do, Iron Dweeb. <laughs> All right. I concur. So we have three votes for Vader, none for Iron Man on the show, but this is perfect because according to ScreenRant.com, gentlemen. Can, can, can I do a follow-up at the end of this? Yes. Star okay. Wars reveals how Iron Man could easily defeat, easily defeat Darth Vader. This this is why this caught my eye because I knew. Travels, travels back in time to where it's Anakin Skywalker just with, uh, you know. Kills him as a baby. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, when he's just lying as a burned cinder on the side of the lava flow before uh, Sheev's Palps rescues him and, right. just shoots, and just shoots him through the head with a repulsor blast there. Marvel Star Wars Darth Vader number 13 just made it clear that if Darth Vader and Iron Man were ever to clash, the armored Avenger wouldn't just stand a chance against the Sith Lord, but have an incredibly easy way to defeat him just so long as he employed lethal force. The reveal comes as Darth Vader is targeted by Sly Moore. Anybody? Anybody? Sly Moore? Bounty Hunter, I believe. Okay. Bounty Hunter is working for, working for Palpatine. It's a long story. A- a- Emperor Palpatine's political acolyte and a loyal servant who fears being cast aside after her failure to kill Vader during his brief rebellion against his master. All right, following along here. Vader broke from Palpatine in order to investigate what really happened to Padme Amidala and his 
children after he fell to the dark side. Brutally punished for disobeying the emperor's orders, Vader was abandoned on Mustafar, his armor torn to pieces, and his access to the force curtailed by Palpatine. Of course, Darth Vader recovered, journeying to Exegol, where he where the Emperor's dark ambitions were laid bare, and he submitted once more to his master. But Vader's defiance also revealed a few key facts about him. Very importantly, Vader's original cyborg elements are low quality. Mercenaries sent after the Sith warrior were shocked to find his armor is trash, quote-unquote, and even once Vader is given enhanced parts after rejoining Palpatine, Slymore reveals they can be controlled by remote when she sends the assassin IG-88 to finish the job she failed to do. <laughs> so this got me thinking, made me crack up because I'm thinking about Tony Stark with a remote control, like controlling Vader, making him do all this weird stuff, you know? Wait, here, uh, here's the deal. So uh, I, I think they're contextually... Um, shorting this story here because here's the deal so so in this story so all of this happened this is not like when palpatine you know or when vader has the fight with obi-wan he's left in the on mustafar and vader or palpatine goes back finds him rebuilds him as darth vader Pal vader's starting to have some doubts about what he's going because he's he's feeling the call and he's investigating what happened to padme after the fact you know um palpatine just says she's dead she just died he, he, he kind of glosses over it Vader goes to investigate it, right? So when Palpatine finds out, he he throws a throws a fit. He says, "You're not loyal." He takes him back to Mustafar, strips him of all the armor that he has provided for him, and leaves him there to die, right? And and whatever he 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 blocks his his use of the Force. However, he does that. Whatever it is, Vader builds himself his own armor, and on a quest for revenge, goes back to reclaim his you know rightful place at the emperor's side this guy through nothing but sheer force of will overcomes everything that's thrown at him to get back where he's supposed to be iron man's fucking dead guys i'm sorry that guy you know he could be a remote control and just vader would just still fuck him up it doesn't even matter well let me just finish this paragraph so I, i'm so glad that you've read this because this is this is the part that gets me the sith lord vader only survives the encounter with ig88 because IG-88 is too slow to finish the job, and Vader is able to use the Force to reclaim the controller. So basically, IG-88 is standing there with a remote control, <laughs> controlling Vader, and he's just a little slow on the draw. Vader uses the Force to force-pull the controller back, and then he kills uh, IG-88. So I, I just thought it was interesting that you know his his armor and his electronics are trash. I've never I, I don't heard know if they're before. talking about. I don't know if they're talking about his armor that he's got normally or the armor that he fitted himself with because he basically builds it out of spare parts that he finds. Like you know, some droids are coming after him, and he like and he takes out those droids and he steals a leg, right? And then another guy comes after him, takes that guy out, and steals the leg from that guy. Now he's got two legs, you know. And is this and this is Marvel Star Wars Darth Vader? So is this is this canon? Yeah, it is now. Shameless plug again. If you get if you get if you subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, you can read all of this stuff right now. Yeah. The best $60 per year that you will spend on Marvel Unlimited reading all these fucking books. 
again, so much content to cover. And so interesting, you can uncover these little details about these characters. Uh, at the end, it says, of course, Darth Vader will always rally, but Iron Man has a surprising history of not underestimating his foes. Uh, and he, it goes on to talk about how Tony uses his repulsors to execute an extremist. He uses them to execute Malin or Malin after judging him too much of a threat to take lightly. Give some other examples. So um, interesting. I, we would love to hear your take on Iron Man versus Vader. Uh, highly contested previously. And uh, I know, Dave, that Chris Evans will not shut up about Iron Man would destroy Vader. He's Chris in Evans the Iron Man camp. Not he's, of he's what mistaken. he speaks. He knows mistaken. not of what he speaks there. No. All right. I have a follow-up real quick. We're not going to do a big discussion on it, but this is a follow-up. So I think it's a more interesting match. Yep. Who would win? Vader or Magneto? Hmm. See, Greg's thinking about that one. Hmm. How much of Vader is made of? Well, can Magneto control any metal or is it just iron? I think it's any any metal. metal. Yeah. Okay. Specifically heavy metal. Just so like just just like fucking Slayer, just like so like Zeppelin Slayer, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, um hmm. I think that's a more interesting matchup. Yeah, I do too. It's like whenever they would put Wolverine up against Magneto, you're like, why? Why would you even do that? So would Magneto just destroy Iron Man then? Crush him like a tin can if he wanted to. Right. Crush him like a what? Crush him him into a little, uh, uh, you know, baseball sized sphere. Right. If he wanted to, just that's gross. That that was actually a plot point in the X Men once, uh, years ago. Chris Claremont wrote an issue where Magneto uh, sank a Soviet submarine that was dispatched to dispose of the evil mutant. And Magneto just hull crushed it, basically. That's why he's considered an enemy of the Soviet state throughout the rest of the uh, X-Men run. And just plain rude as well. Yeah, but uh, it, it, it's metal. He can control it. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to just we're going to agree that it's Vader. Everybody else that thinks it's uh, Iron Man is dead wrong. And uh, we're going to move on. To we've got one hey, last thank God, story, thank, guys. Thank God that Chris Evans agrees with that, though. Thank God that Chris Evans agrees with everything that we just said. He agrees entirely with everything exactly. we say. I agree entirely, guys. A Marvel movie hit the theaters <laughs> last week called Black Widow, and True. we need to discuss. I can't wait actual to hear theaters. Yeah, an actual movie in the yeah. actual theater that we Not actually sat in. Yeah. Uh, and I, we have not discussed this yet, so we need to, we need to talk about, uh, and I can't wait to hear what you thought of Black Widow. So Greg, what was, uh, Dave and I went to see it so together, so I, I kind of have heard from him already, but Greg, I'd love to hear from you. What did you think of Black Widow? You, you guys touched on each other during the, uh, during your, why, you why, <laughs> why, 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 the lights, the lights were, the lights were down. We were lonely. What did you expect was going to happen? 
you want some of my popcorn? Um, <laughs> um, Greg, what did you think I, of Black Widow? I was I was stoked <laughs> to get back into a theater. It yeah. was it was great. You know, we 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 splurged a little bit. We went to one of those Sinopolis theaters so we could sit in one of those gigantic couches and and enjoy the movie. And it was and it was it was a uh, fun to be back. Uh, great to experience it on an actual big screen with the booming soundtrack and everything like that. And um, it was okay. It was okay. It was, it was a, it was a C plus B minus movie. I thought um, it sits in the middle of the, of the Marvel pack. Um, it, it, uh, it did everything right. I think um, I don't think there's any major missteps, but I don't think there was anything too memorable about it. And the things that were memorable kind of for, you know, I, I, I have a problem with them having a fight on basically a falling airplane at the end. And that's really the part where it kind of just got a little incredulous to me because parachutes are apparently not necessary in the MCU. Um, Wasn't that kind of an homage to Moonraker, though? Uh, was it? Well, uh, yeah, I guess with everything being in slow motion, sure. Yeah. I mean, cause that was the slowest falling airplane ever. So yeah, I, I, yeah. Okay. I'll take a, I'll take an homage to Moonraker. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, cause yeah. she was watching Moonraker in the, the beginning of the movie and that, she was. that film, if I remember right. And it's been a while since I've seen it. Cause it's really one of the crappier James Bond movies in my personal like, one, of the, one, of the, one of the best Bond movies ever, but, Bite yeah, your tongue. <laughs> but it doesn't Moonraker climax with a fight on a, falling space station and there and doesn't black widow climax with a fight on a collapsing helicarrier if you will um, for lack well of it, it's not exactly falling but it is yeah. falling apart it's falling yeah. apart okay yeah I, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah but i just it, no there's it, definitely an analogy to be drawn there yeah okay yeah see the, i'm not, the, I'm not the, crazy the, on that point is that's no. all i'm going for all right. The, the 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 plot line of Moonraker. Let's get into the Moonraker, the wretched Moonraker podcast right now. Is that the plot line is that there is a gravity control inside of their space station. So as long as the gravity control is on, you have normal gravity. But you can turn the gravity control to off, and then you're supposed to be floating. But really, apparently, you just go in slow motion. Is all it is. So and slow motion and anti gravity equate in the james bond universe so okay who's the villain in moonraker jaws uh, drago drago draco close so close uh hugo drax drax oh. drax is the guy the but, but, uh, but but jaws is the is the muscle you're right jaws is the muscle yeah who do i get who, partial credit for that yes okay he has he has a he has a uh uh, he he turns hero at the end of at the end of Moonraker. He's actually a good guy by the end of Moonraker. Right, he falls in love with the little blonde chick. Yeah, with the braces because she's with imperfect the too. They're, neither one of them is perfect, and Drax is trying to create this perfect race of you know, like perfectly beautiful people. And they look at each other like, oh, we're both flawed, so there's a connection. Exactly. See, it's, and, that's why it's one of the best Bond films. And Jaws gets him some. Mm. I, I I look at and I may be and if I'm in the minority, I will accept that. I look at Moonraker as an example of Bond camp that did not age well or hold up well at oh, all. And I look at yeah, A View to awful. the Kill <laughs> as camp that it, it does, it, it holds up well. It still works. Like A View to a Kill is still a fantastic Bond spectacle to me. No, I, I, I have a soft place in my heart for Moonraker because it is, it was my entree to the series. It's like the first Bond movie I saw. I was, it was 77 or 79, right? Yeah, so I was yeah. probably 11. Uh, Roger Moore was my bond growing up. 
I didn't, uh, you know, I, I didn't see anyone else until much, much later. So I was like, well, who's the, who's the old guy playing Bond, you know, Goldfinger and, and, uh, and, and the other, uh, you know, the movies that came before Roger Moore's films um, just felt very strange to me until I got older. And then I really appreciated um, the, the older films, but um, yeah, no, it's a terrible, it's a terrible film. It doesn't hold up at all. It, it, I, I tried to show <laughs> I tried to show it to my kids. I'm like all excited. Okay. We're going to watch Moonraker. Cause I wanted to introduce Bond to my boys, you know? And I'm like, Oh, this is just shit. This is yeah, so it's, terrible. It's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. 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 Anyway, but it, but it's uh, not Black Widow bad, as is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> all right, so Dave, Dave, what, okay, so uh, really quick, Greg, uh, how many Death Stars out of five? How many Death Stars do you give? Um, two uh, and a half. I can't what? go any more than two and a half. Yeah, or out, two of, and a half out of five. Out of five, yeah. yeah. So, it's so a, like fifty percent straight across. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Well, no, I did say I did say C plus. So I'll go with the three. I'll go with the full on three. Three out of I'll five Death Stars. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, Dave. Um, where do you land with Black Widow? Uh, good movie, not great movie. Uh, solid middle of the pack Marvel action film. Better than Thor: Dark World. Better than Incredible Hulk. I'll I'll go three point five to three point seven five. So slight, oh, okay. slightly slightly better than Greg, but I don't think it was one of their best entries. But here here is the question, because Greg, what you and I were talking about on the pre-show was you were making a point, and you're the second person in my circle of friends to say this to me that you felt like that movie should have been released prior to uh, Infinity War. Infinity War. But, like this movie would have worked better if it was in chronological order, which yeah. clearly Marvel is trying to get away from. And I would argue since they have that five-year gap in Endgame where they do a five-year jump, they're, they're telegraphing that we're going to do non-chronological storytelling for a while. We have a five-year gap that we can go back and fill in. But in five years... Will we look at Black Widow as Scarlett Johansson's farewell movie, which is kind of what it felt like we were supposed to think of it as, which is why it's kind of jarring. Like, oh, it's the farewell movie, but it takes place like a movie and a half before her actual death. So it feels weird. But if Black Widow was actually not Natasha's swan song as a story, but was Yelena's origin story to be a Black Widow, and if Elena, uh, played by Florence Pugh, becomes a mainstay character over the next five years in the Marvel Universe, are we going to look at this movie as, oh, that's that's Elena's origin story? Will we have a different view of the film? Did I explain that well? Because it yeah. didn't sound as yeah. good as it did in my head. No, you're right, because you know this is marketed as Scarlett Johansson's movie and everything like that, but it's really an ensemble piece. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Scar Scarlett Johansson... Um, for lack of a better phrase, was shorted by this film because you're right in that this is, you know, whether they're launching Secret Avengers or whether they're fighting or launching the Young Avengers, whatever super team they're putting together now um, with the Julie Louis-Dreyfus character, uh, she's obviously going to be a big part of the next team that comes out of that. Um, we've already got two members, you know, uh, we built up with, with, um, Tony Stark and, and, and Bruce Banner to begin the MCU. Now we've got John Walker and, and Yelena as the, as the dark Avengers or, or the secret Avengers, if you will, to put it back in the MCU terms. Um, so, so you're right. It fits there, but I think this should be more of Scarlett Johansson's story. Um, 
And, and, and when you talk about that five-year gap, this movie takes place before that. This movie, yeah. this is not part of that five-year gap. This movie takes place right after Civil War and right before Infinity War. So it, I would it, like it, to see some stories in that five-year gap because you you would have the chance to say why some of the major characters, you know, why Black Panther can't be there, why, you know, Spider-Man can't be there. You can say those kind of things. Unfortunately, all the main adventures will still be there because none of those guys conveniently got snapped for anything. But um I, I I would be okay with them putting stories into that time frame. I you know it, it just it just seems like this movie is too late and should have been a better vehicle for Scarlett Johansson. I think she got shorted a little bit. I do. So here's the head twister on the timeline. So I've only seen Black Widow once, obviously, but mm-hmm. I think it takes place not after Civil War, but after mm-hmm. the end of Civil War, but before the end credit sequence of Civil War. Because the, the end credit or the post credit sequence is Steve breaking people out of the raft. And it's in one point in the movie, they oh. reference how oh, yeah. Martin and Scott Lang are still imprisoned on the raft. Yeah, I, I forget about I oh. forget about that post credit. And you're and you're absolutely 100 percent spot on because in the movie itself, they talk about how raw and and, you know, and, and maybe that's info that's not released, that they're just not dis- disclosing that the other guys were broken out of jail. But they clearly say Steve Rogers still on the run. They clearly say the other guys are locked up in prison. So if 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 all those news reports that are being fed out through this movie are true, then yes, it takes place between the the actual end of the movie and the post credit scene. Yeah, yeah it, it literally during the main title credits for Civil yeah. War. That's when this whole movie takes place, except for its end title sequence, which is clearly. After, after end game, right. but yeah. before Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. So well, so, at, at this point, I don't think it takes place if it's before or after Winter Soldier because we've already met um, Valentina. I called her just Julie Louis Dreyfus because I forget her long ass name, but we've already met Valentina. So uh, it, I, I, I'm okay with this taking place after uh, Captain America and Winter Soldier. I'm okay with that. So I had a similar take. Um, that you guys did i i thought it was a good not a great movie i gave i would give it three death stars um i I was thinking about this over the weekend um knowing that we would talk about it i and this is not a slight on scarlett johansson at all uh but i feel like she and maybe this kind of goes to what you were saying greg i feel like she kind of get got sidelined in this a little bit or maybe the scenes with her aren't as impactful as the scenes when she is with um, her co-stars. Like I thought Florence Pugh was great. I love the humor when she's kind of, kind of making fun of, you know, uh, the Natasha hero pose. posing. And, you know, yeah. I thought that the writing there was spot on David Harbor uh, as uh, Alexi I, was great. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the actress that plays the wife, the 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 faux mother um, rachel weese rachel weese was great um all, I, all, I, all three technically black widows oh right right like and that's what i'm getting at like the movie is called black widow and we assume it's going to be a scarlett johansson star but yeah. you know, black widow is a moniker it's not specific it's the to the program yeah. yeah it's not specific to natasha and, and that's so, kind of what the movie explores. And so maybe it's actually to Scarlett Johansson's credit, who is a major star and doesn't doesn't need to share billing with anyone, um, being willing to share 
that her star power, you know, with the rest of the cast and, and give up, um, give up scenes to, to her co-stars, um, you know, for, for the betterment of the series and of the film, um, you know, I, I think that's probably, probably what happened here because I, I think that she's that kind of a person, but I, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good, not great film. I thought the action sequences to me, the big, the big action sequence at the end with the, the falling, um, flying vehicle, whatever it was station that was flying in the clouds. I, I, I didn't believe any of it. Uh, I mean, I know it, obviously it's all CGI, but uh, to me, there were some scenes that were just so outrageous so over the top that it pulled me out. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Um, and I, but I, I, I love David Harbor. I could watch David Harbor, um, you know, from what, what's the, what's the show that I was so Stranger late to things. Str Stranger, Stranger things. things. He's so great in that. Um, I, I will watch anything he's in and I'm excited for Florence Pugh and for where she's going to take the black widow moniker moving forward. So, um, I'm total alignment with you guys. I give her three stars and, um, you know, I'm interested to see what Nico and Scott think. Uh, as well so so i i started to bring this up with dave and i want to bring you into this conversation because it's you know it's it, we talked about this movie being late so they they set the story um yeah um straight after you know it comes out now and, and obviously even a year later because of COVID and everything like that but it takes place after civil war it takes place before infinity and infinity war we get that um but it really you know it in in its place it should have taken taken. It should have happened even much earlier than that, and even it made it an even different story. And I was talking about it, David. It all comes down to like the political fight that happened between Kevin Feige, who controls it now, and the guy who used to be in control of the MCU, Ike Perlmutter. If anybody knows that guy, Ike's the guy who who basically saved Marvel Comics along with is it Avi Arad? Is that the other guy? That was his business partner. Yep. Those two guys owned the toy company, Toy Biz. Um, and when Marvel was going through all of its bankruptcy stuff in, in, the, in the mid to late 90s, you know, it was Toy Biz who ended up controlling Marvel and sold off all these pieces of, of the franchise uh, as licensing deals to keep Marvel afloat. Well, when Marvel starts to rebound, you know, and all of these licenses start to become worth money again mm -hmm. um you know ike perlmutter is the guy who ends up in charge of marvel and i and ike is a is you know had had turned into this classic like uh like just really uh you know really bottom line kind of hollywood executive kind of guy and really aggressively curtailed budgets of all these movies mm. um just wanting to squeeze every ounce of profit he po possibly could out of them but what he didn't like was he didn't like women-led movies specifically because mm. because they didn't sell toys and that's literally what he said in an email is that women is that girls don't buy action figures and, and, wow and if i remember right he wasn't a fan of uh black panther either was not a fan of black panther and when it comes down, if you look at, you know, when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first started, right, um, uh, the, the other TV series that was going to come out of, of, of ABC was the Inhumans. 
you know, they couldn't use mutants. They had no interest in going after any of the Fox properties, or they couldn't go after any of the Fox properties. There was no talk of an acquisition by Disney at that point. So their idea for mutants was the Inhumans, and that's Black Bolt and Medusa. It's a it's a classic Fantastic Four um, uh, property, but Marvel still retained the rights to it, and they made the absolute worst TV show they possibly could. But that was Ike Perlmutter's big bet is to is is he was going to get Inhumans, and he wasn't going to do any women led superhero movies. He wasn't going to do Black Panther. He wasn't going to do Guardians of the Galaxy. Because his way was through this TV show, and it was going. And when it was a big flop, they turned to Kevin Feige. It, it, and he, it flopped hard. It was the Heaven's mm-hmm. Gate of TV shows. Yeah, and it yeah. was it was I, it was actually originally supposed to be a film. It was supposed to be the end of Phase Two or like the end of Phase Three, the epilogue of Phase Three, and it got shifted to being a TV show. Yeah, the pilot actually, I think, did launch in theaters. That was their yes. big kickoff for the pilot was to launch it in theaters than to continue it on on ABC. But I don't even think they finished the first season broadcasting it. I think they just had to release it as as DVD. And if you look for it, you can find it on Disney Plus now. But it is not advertised anywhere on Disney Plus. That's how embarrassed they are of the show. Wow. Wow. You know, there's a really interesting article on uh, on Variety, actually. It's a couple of years old. It's from uh-huh. October 2019. Does Kevin Feige's Marvel promotion mean Ike Perlmutter's endgame? And the image, you have to see it, uh, is Ike Perlmutter. And he's fading away as, as like the, the snap happened to him and he's fading off into the distance. So um, well, well it's, at, it's after right. Pullmutter is demoted. He's not fired. He's only demoted. He's and demoted, then Kevin, yes. And then, and then Kevin Feige is not so much given his job. It's just he no longer has to report to Ike. So that's kind of like the political machinations. Right. It's kind of smart right. on Iger's part is he didn't fire Ike and he didn't promote Kevin Feige. He just said, Feige, you don't have to run your decisions by Ike Pullmutter anymore. You can run them right to me now. And gave him free reign. And that's how we end up with Black Panther. That's how we end up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's how we end up with Captain Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. All three of those came out of of Feige's taking over over this. And and that's how you get to Black Widow, too. Because Black Widow should have been much sooner. They would have had a Black Widow movie in development much, much sooner than this, if not for Ike Perlmutter. Yeah. Feige was getting so frustrated by what he perceived as unnecessary barricades putting being put up for him to do his job that during the phase two slate of movies, he was considering walking away. And that's what, if I remember right, prompted Iger to make that organizational chart shift so that Perlmutter was no longer going to, you know, kill the goose that was laying the golden egg over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that results in that phase three slate of movies that was just like rocket fuel coming yeah. out of the, the successive uh, Captain uh, Captain America Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy launch, which I remember Guardians of the Galaxy. Everybody was looking at that going, what the hell is that? How is that going to be made where, into a franchise? Where did that come from? Exactly. Yeah, right. nobody, nobody thought that would be successful. Nobody thought Black Panther would be successful. Um, and, and by that point, they had seen that Wonder Woman w- was 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 successful so that you can actually make a female-led superhero movie. So that leads you to Captain Marvel, which leads you back to, back to Black Widow. Yep. You know? Yep. I, I still remember, uh, Steve, you've met my friend Mary. Yeah. But uh, yeah. She, yeah. when Guardians of the Galaxy was, was announced as coming out and Wonder Woman was still in development hell at that exact moment in time, 
But Mary was like, so literally Warner Brothers is over here. Wonder Woman, most successful, well-known female superhero on the planet. Yeah, we don't think that could be a movie. Sorry, everybody move on. Disney over with Marvel. Hey, bunch of characters nobody knows about, including a talking tree and a talking raccoon. Tell us more. Let's make a film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank exactly. goodness that it worked out. I mean, thank goodness that that Iger, Iger, you know, pulled the levers and and turned the dials on that one. Yeah, talk uh, about you just you know you, you you make a bet you know and you see if it's going to work out and and you know Black Panther arguably the best film in the franchise Guardians of the Galaxy one arguably arguably the best film in the whole franchise um, it's in the discussion I mean it's it's got to be way way up there um, it, it was certainly the to- a tonal shift like yeah I feel like Captain America Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy like those two back to back really proved what the, the Marvel formula is, which is it's a superhero genre, but we're going to tell these sub-genre stories. You know, mm-hmm. Captain America, Winter Soldier, political thriller, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's almost like a musical theater comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's what's so sad now to me kind of about this Black Widow movie. It's Black Widow is Black Widow is not so much its own story. It's just it's, it's Winter Soldier told with Black Widow in it now. You know, and 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 Black Widow just taking over the Steve Rogers role instead of being a supporting character. Uh, it, it it hits too many of those same beats for me. Too many too many of this. You know, down to the 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 old rival is now your bitter enemy in Taskmaster in this one. It's uh it, it it's a shame. It, it's it's a shame it couldn't get in development further because I think they could have taken it farther. And, y- and yet it wasn't a bad film and they teed it up for Florence Pugh to, to yeah. pick up the mantle and run with it. And it makes yeah. me, it makes me pine for when we thought that's what was going to happen with star Wars and it just yeah. never quite launched. You know? and, and, and I didn't, I didn't think about it that way until Dave brought it up earlier. And, and like I say, as we lead to the secret Avengers storyline or whether it's going to be secret war, which is the next which is not the next, but another announced TV series is actually the secret, oh, secret invasion. Secret I'm sorry, invasion. secret invasion. Invasion. Um, you know, the secret, the secret Avengers are are were a big thing. You know, they were they were the the Suicide Squad of Avengers teams, if you will. They were the villains that were put together to do the jobs that nobody wanted you're, to do. And I think so, you're thinking of Thunderbolts. Oh, am I think? Am I crossing my streams there? I think you okay. are. Yes. Okay. Um, well, weren't Secret Avengers led by Norman Osborn though? Nope, that's Thunderbolts. That's Thunderbolts. All right. Secret yeah, Avengers were, were went through a couple of iterations, but they initially started off as Steve Rogers, just like, I know everybody, and everybody will return my calls, so I'll assemble groups of heroes that may or may not be actual Avengers to do the jobs that the Avengers can't do. Because <laughs> I'm right, Steve guys. Rogers. Comics are, comics are hard, Steve. Comics are hard. Comics are really hard, man. It's hard to know. pick up Watch when you're 53 and you can barely stay awake. Watching your Gosh, head 10. melt down over a Discord thread over all the permutations of Kang the Conqueror, really, I'm not going to lie, it made my week. There's a Kang that put on the Iron Man suit? What the? Well, yeah, we didn't, even get, we, didn't, we didn't even get into that. Yeah, but know, that's, that's true. It, it was funny. I listened back to that episode. It was funny how the three of us who were all the comic book nerds, none of us could agree on which version of Kang was which. <laughs> so, but, and I but, think all of us were right, too. Well, so, and I'm oh, honestly oh. trying to figure it out with you guys. And like someone tell me what the answer is. But there's so many different permutations that I don't think we, we can try, try but, we can quite nail it down. So I, I <laughs> one of the articles that I found about that actually suggested that they cast the guy 
as He Who Remains in Loki before he was also cast as Kang for oh, no. Ant-Man 3. And so they kind of they kind of retconned what their story and script plans were based off of that decision. And if that article is correct, I was like, well, this kind of explains our, our confusion. And I remember saying to you, Greg, at one point, like, you know, you absolutely could be right. It's open for interpretation. I'm just, I'm kind of going this direction with it and you're going that direction with it. And that would, that explanation would justify. Sort of, sort of like a timeline branching is, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it, I'm just saying it would it would kind of bring it full circle. Like, oh, they were going to do it this way, where he who remains was literally from what, doing research now, one of the more obscure characters in the Marvel comics oh, yeah. universe. Way deep cut. Yeah. Like I I looked it up and I'm like, there are five appearances of it, and I actually have two of them in a trade paperback that I have upstairs. And I went and looked. And I'm like, he's not even referenced by name in these two things. <laughs> like I had to look in the the end notes to be like, oh yeah, in this panel that person there. That is he who remains, and I'm like, and I just that just crosses off two fifths of his entire appearance history in 75 years of publishing comics. So wow. it's a it's a super deep cut. That's phenomenal. That means that there are fans making the shows that we love, and that's huge. That yeah. is huge, and that's what I love about Filoni making Star Wars. He was a fan dressing up at cons before he was making Star Wars content. And that's why the content he makes is so damn good. So the future of Marvel and Star Wars is in good hands. And that is something that's, that's really super cool. Uh, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Um, we are probably, I think for the first time in a while, gonna get a little break from our weekly episodes. We'll see you in two weeks for the next episode proper of the Wretched Hive podcast. Hopefully we'll have the whole crew with us in two weeks. Until then, we'll sign off uh, for Greg and Dave. This is Steve. Have a great week. We'll check you in two weeks. And until then, may the force be with us all. What did you just call me? What's wrong? You got fart in your ears, you freaking fart face. Oh. <laughs> Your friggin' fart face. <laughs>